Welcome back to another episode. Um, today we're joined by Chris, but I'm going to let you tell everyone who you are and what you do. Yeah, um, my name's Chris. Um, what do I do? It's a question a lot of people ask. Um, <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, so um, what I do is I work with um, a lot of um, training providers and further education colleges to design. So say design, build, recruit, manage provisions for them. So anything from what they want to build the provision mm -hmm. on, get a bit busier, increase their recruitment numbers on to anything that I think is a good idea to design it, pitch it to them and then recruit for that course but not only just recruit and get the um, learners mm. um, in learning to manage the provision as well. It's, it's a bit of everything for you really isn't it? You kind yeah. of go into there as a bit of an external business development manager and yeah. just any which way grow that provision. Yeah ex exactly that on multiple things to be fair. Um, yeah. Exactly. I think what might be interesting to talk about is um, obviously I know a bit about funded training, obviously you know a lot about funded training, um, but I don't think a lot of people out there do. Mm. So, you know, within the, within the education world, colleges, training providers, which are basically just private colleges, um, deliver qualifications on behalf of the government for students, so that could be you know, like student loan stuff or fully funded stuff. Um, but basically, the government pays those colleges to deliver the learning. A lot of people don't know that. I mean, I didn't know anything about education before we got into it. Mm -mm -mm. No, not at all. Just, um, well, we kind of started together, kind of. Back in the day, it was like commercially, people would pay to do a course. Yeah. You deliver it, and then they would get the certificate. Um, and then we kind of like grew into like the the funded side of it which is yeah like you say not many people know I didn't know there's so much funding available in various things there's funding for people to get them into work there's funded um, provisions to get communities in particular postcodes um, into work so to say mm -hmm. or, or build that community there's funding for people in work to progress in work yeah there's funding even for professionals like you know, I could do a level seven um, management course or something. Yeah, yeah. It, that is an integrated degree where I could be a chartered consultant. You know, like over four years. Why wouldn't I do that? A degree level thing. You know, yeah. a, like a, a business development manager could do an integrated degree. There's all of this is funded. Um, I'll tell you something I didn't know about mm. education mm. before I got into it, especially colleges, training providers, universities, and schools. And this might sound, you know, stupid looking back or um, naive. I didn't know there were businesses. I did not know that those education companies were businesses in themselves. Just like growing up, I didn't know banks were businesses. Hmm. I thought they were just utilities. I thought education companies and all of those sort of things were just a utility. They're just provided to us by the government and it's not its own separate entity which people have financial um, investment in and yeah. I think that's one thing that I've found that's crazy and I'll get you to explain a little bit about how growing someone's provision works and um, different different pots of funding that they have but I didn't realize that a lot of these companies these colleges colleges that I've been to actually were a business who had potentially investors yeah yeah of course so if you notice I didn't say 
anything about sales, so to say there, because yeah, colleges and providers are businesses. However, they are heavily regulated by multiple um, bodies. But you will find that colleges are do feel more like a good way to say it's like a utility. They do feel more public mm -hmm. um, with the public's interest than a private commercial provider that is a bit more about percentages, profit, it will yeah. have investors, it will be owned by big groups, they are big profit and machine and that's my job comes into that when I work with them, you know, I have to get them so much profit. The provisions have to be profitable. But working with a big FE college, the bigger the college, they're not so much bothered about the profit. Um, and you've got to remember both are absolutely regulated where there's going to be like agencies, watchdogs, whatever, mm. looking at how much profit is made yeah. in that it is, it's reasonable, yeah. not that. So for example, if we owned like a provider, had a government contract, we couldn't be drawing down massive amounts of funding, like giving away shoestring provisions and taking massive revenue. Yeah. Even if you're a private, a normal business all day long, that's acceptable if you're making money yeah. and it's a business and it's, t it's working and the, the directors are taking big money. In education, it's not that, which I, which I personally quite like because it, it feels quite ethical. Yeah. It, it's not like you're not trying to sell, 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 sell. Like, and it kind of eliminates the kind of people like that out of the industry that I don't like working with. Yeah. Typical, one way I describe it, this is great. You know, on Spider-Man, you know, the guy that runs the newspaper place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smoking yeah. a cigar. Big, angry businessman. Yeah. I don't like dealing with people like that. In fact, if I start doing a business deal or whatever and the person comes across at that, I just don't speak to them again. It just gets cut. Yeah. They give me headaches. It's, and the world's changing. You can't behave like that. It's this, it's gone. Yeah. And you in used education, to be able to do that, didn't you? But like, yeah. And even in education, I've met people like that and they're just slowly vanishing because you can't do that. No. You can't behave like that. And what's great for me working in education is I don't like working with people like that. And in education, you typically don't. Yeah. You, have a, you have CEOs or a principal, same thing, depending if it's a college or a provider. Yeah. And you find they're very ethical and, and great people, honest people to work with. And they, they ultimately, even though they, they do want it, but they have to show that it's the provision in the learners first. Yeah, so, the, so just, to, just to clarify the way that they're kind of government funding works. The money that's drawn down for a qualification, yeah. whether that's through a loan or whether that's the government subsidizing it like an apprenticeship mm. or, you know, adult education budget money, which is yeah. basically just totally funded. Yeah. They don't see that as the provider's money, even though it's the provider who draws it down. Yeah, yeah. They see that as the student's money. Yeah, course, and that yeah. money should be going towards the delivery of the qualification yeah. and not the profitability of the business and people. So. A little, one other thing, the way that government funding works is you get allocated a pot and that pot might be 600k, might be 1.5 million, might be 2 million, you know. Mm. But the idea is, is that by the end of the year you've spent all of that money and if you spend all of it, you can go for what's called growth where they'll increase your contract to maybe 800k. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a backwards industry in the sense that you get given the money and then it's your job to kind of hold on to it and spend it, yeah. um, whereas in other businesses, you know, you start with zero. So they start with a, an amount of funding which they are allocated to draw down. And one thing Chris will help colleges do is increase that, make sure that they hit their target so that they can get growth, because if they don't hit their target, I think they can have the money taken off them. Yeah, so it gets lowered, we don't get growth. Um, I've experienced it where we've hit targets and nobody got growth. I've experienced it where 
you know, like I'm waiting now for a growth case coming in now with, with my clients now to see if they do grow it. But like what you say, yeah, so it is backwards. It's like they get given a pot. You've got to, I've got to spend it for them whilst retaining them out of profit to cover their, their work and expenses, you know, and, but it's got to get gone so that we hit the growth so they can grow over the period of time and deliver more, yeah. So how did you get started with this? So lead me up to being in the position that you're in because you've had a pretty diverse career in, in terms of, of what you've done. So let's start with the, the beginning and then go step by step and see how it's kind of led into that and what you think's contributed to that. Yeah, it's natural progression and I'd say natural selection um, without even trying to get here. It just happened. Um, probably from my experiences initially, left school, joined the army, well, I went to college for like half a year Dropped out of that, it wasn't for me. Then I joined the army and spent some time in there, multiple things I've done in there. But at the time I didn't realize the type of person that that forged me into being, which once I left, I became a personal trainer and just like, without even realizing how, just started doing well, like really well compared to other PTs that even today you see them, they're not busy, they're not doing much. Like this was in 2013, 14, mm. taking home like easy 5K a month. That's probably worth about 10k a month now yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was 23, had Range Rover Sports, living like that as a personal trainer. So a lot of people were asking me how I'd done it. I didn't really know. I just was like, it's easy. This is what you do. And then I was giving all these people knowledge. Um, and then I became a tutor, delivering these courses and giving this knowledge, like within embedding these soft skills and career skills in their provisions for colleges. So yeah. you can imagine that that's not what they were used to, you know, they used to, a tutor that has been thrown in to teach that course, but really oh, he works yeah. nine to five at a college um, on a salary, has no like, um, let's say no- Urgency. No urgency to, yeah. to kind of build his client base for survival, you know, so I'll be helping these people leave the course and do well. From that, results, progression, my statistics were great at the colleges, then asked me to manage provisions, consult, to the point where I thought, well, I started doing it well, and I thought, well, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. Let's start trying to find more to do. So then I started again, naturally, I wasn't, this is just normal to me to behave like this. Yeah. If you're not gonna behave like this and try and get more, then that, that kind of self-employed yeah. dream where you can work your own hours and do your own things is not for you. You want a job. So it kind of naturally, just the way I am, in my career for survival, has just taken me along this path. Do you know what it is though? You know, you've been in the funded training as long as I was doing it. So back to 2015 when we met, mm. you know, we started government funded training there and then. And technically, technically speaking, as far as a government, as far as a training company goes, mm. the very bottom of that ladder, the, mm. the lowest rung on the ladder mm. is, associate self-employed tutor yeah like the, the lowest thing first to go not even employed by the business so that's where we started really yeah you were in at the very very bottom below the admin people who were on a salary you yeah. were technically below them yeah and then you know with being in that industry for a short period of time and then building up to now the point where you will probably likely only speak to senior senior members of staff mm. principals and ceos and mm. talk to them about high level strategy stuff mm. you know several pay scales above that admin person yeah, that yeah. you are you know several pay scales they will not be party yeah, to yeah. any of the conversations as an admin person yeah. if they're there for 10 years yeah, yeah. we've had conversations with principals ceos mds and members of staff who've been on their books for 20 years mm -hmm. are not in those meetings and we were in them within 
a year or two of being in that industry. Yeah. What do you contribute that to? That instinct, you know, like the the just the t the way you perform tasks, the quality, the how hard you work to reach them goals. I worked hard. I've done everything the best I could. Got it what needed to be done for everyone involved, for the learners to make sure that provision was good, for the college to make sure it worked. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? For me, so I got paid and we just do it 100%. And if you do everything 100% like that, you're gonna start just rising faster than the people that have a salary just going in, doing their work and gone. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it just, I had to do that for my job. It's my job, I've always been self-employed yeah. doing that. So it automatically makes you perform better and, and get things done. And just by that alone, that's why you rise so quick. Yeah, it's interesting to say that you can go into these colleges and obviously they are businesses and be paid directly proportionate to the amount of value that you bring that right, business. I only get paid off the value I bring. If I don't bring any value, I don't get paid. If I bring tons of value, and bear in mind the value, my percentage, my proportion is very small to the value I bring mm. provisions. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's fine because it, it works out. It works out across the board that everyone receives great value from my efforts and I get prepared in the proportion of that. So obviously you, you working, you know, in terms of funding that you're responsible for, mm. um, I won't, you know, it's in the, it's a, it's a lot. The, the, the level of funding yeah. that you're uh, responsible, that you have, you know, you were telling me a little bit about them. It's in the millions, you know, of yeah, yeah. actual funding that you have under management for your yeah. for your uh, provisions. What sort of pressure does that put you under? Yeah, extreme pressure, like to the point where businesses without my provisions would vanish. Do you know what I mean? If mm. my provisions weren't rolling, then businesses would go and all the employees that work at that business would go. If my provisions don't pass qu quality, um, visits from various agencies, that provision would vanish and uh, that business would go and employees would go. So like, even just people that work within that business, the admin people, if I was to run a provision that <coughs> was executed poorly or I didn't effectively um, gain the college money on that, then it's not making profit or keep their members of staff. And as like the cost of living and everything goes up, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. So the pressure gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So like, let's say, let's say a provider is banking on my provisions all year. And for whatever reason, I just can't facilitate it. They're gonna have to let people go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that even that itself is massive pressure. Yeah. No, that's uh, it's just interesting knowing that those insights from those education companies and seeing how they work. Um, st staying kind of on the topic of education, I think we can put an education spin on this. Obviously, there's been a rise of people leaving their jobs who don't necessarily have a job lined up to go to yeah. um, for the first time ever. I mean, people would usually have a job if they're going to leave their job. Yeah. But there's people just leaving jobs because they don't feel like it's a career or they don't see any career uh, pathway for them. Yeah. Um, how important of a role do you think education could play on that in the coming years? Yeah. People leaving jobs and leaving things, I think, is, um, I done it myself. I, kind of, I left the army with not a thing than an idea. <laughs> to go up, didn't have anything in place, just left. Uh, but you need at least to have that time available to network and discover new things and find out what you like and what you want to do. So 
yeah, if you haven't, and the reason I left is because I, I couldn't see a future. Even the future that was there, I didn't want to do. Yeah. I achieved everything I wanted to achieve. I was at a roof. I didn't want to do the other things that I was getting pitched to do. Mm -hmm. So imagine you're in a job and you don't like the progression routes or there really isn't progression routes. It's, it does, as soon as you feel that, you start feeling quite stressed and you lose all motivation. And the best thing I think to do is get out of there as long as you're financially not going to leave your, your family on the streets. Get out because you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. You're going to meet so many people, you're going to network and have the opportunity to find that dream you want to do. So where education can keep people in jobs because I've tried to hire people in the past and I cannot find people that want to stay or even want to work. It's crazy. Like it's impossible to find staff. Yeah. But it's hard to find staff and hold them to the same sort of level of, of work. That's the, that's the big issue that... I think that we've found. Oh, of course. So if you if you can like not get sell someone a position, but sell them like a pathway, a dream where they can get, and apprenticeships are great for that. So for example, let's talk about the consultant industries. I'm a consultant. That's what I am. In any field, you can be a consultant. If I was to say to someone, you want to come work with me, it's a three-year apprenticeship. At the end of it, you're going to be like a level six consultant, whatever. I'm going to pay for this throughout for you. I'm going to give you loads of training, shadow me. And then I'm even from that, I'm going to give you your own like clients, your own case, and I'm going to set you on your way. And if you don't want to stay with me after that, guess what? You've got a great CV, great thing, and you can go and work for KPMG or the big, big consultancy groups, yeah? But there's a pathway. They've got a vision of the future. But if I said, come work with me, you're going to be a consultant, and you're just going to do what I say and do this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of then you're putting a lid on it. But if you like showing them that dream that they're working along, why would they leave? They do, they're learning like professionally and academically how to be a consultant as well. Yeah. As well as the experience with me on the ground. Yeah. And like how exciting is that? It's such a good way of learning an industry. You know, there's a, it's pretty paradoxical when you're trying to get into a business because they want you to have experience but in order to have experience you need a job in yeah. order to to gain that level of experience so mm -hmm. people can often come with the right qualifications but they ask them for a for experience mm -hmm. and that's the reason that they're there at that job interview to yeah. get a job so they can gain some experience and and get their feet under the table and obviously apprenticeships offer a low cost way of people being able to get somebody in and train them up as they go so yeah. i think that's you know, from a business standpoint, getting people in and, and training them up because I, I do think there are a lot of people now who they don't want to go to university. No. They, you know, the university for most people was a good chance to get pissed and not have any responsibilities for four mm. years and probably play sport. 90% of my mates who went to university went there to either continue their sport or their music without having to get a job. Yeah. You know, not saying they're lazy because they worked hard at that, yeah. but is, is that worth 50 grand yeah. for a piece of paper that they're not going to be able to use for their job because that college, that, that university, which is a business by the way, has, you know, fabricated these courses which are neither use nor ornament. You know, maybe having a graduate that shows that they can at least commit to something for four years. That's yeah. why I think graduates are good because you can see that they've had the, the aptitude to do a full yeah. degree and see it out. You know, that takes something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, unless you're a doctor, a dentist, an uh, engineer, an accountant, uh, architect, well, not even necessarily an accountant, you have to do a version of a degree. Like, unless it's vocational like that, mm. why get a qualification when experience would, would do you just as well? but getting a qualification from your job that you're getting paid for. People want, people want money now. Like yeah, yeah. People, people got Instagram, social media. They don't want to be bumming it, like drinking five, five, like 
three for five pound trebles. Yeah, I think I really think university is going to struggle because one, the drinking culture is changing. I think in the UK people, it's, it's cooler to say you don't drink these days than to drink. Mm. Like to be sober is more appealing and like attractive than yeah. going out. It really is. Do you know what I mean? So that was a massive culture in the UK that people like the generation just above ours, people born in like the eighties yeah. and the like early eighties drink so much more. Yeah, yeah. Like they're the people that I know, people in their thirties mm -hmm. and like early forties, they're the people who I know who will mm -hmm. drink cans on a night time. I don't know. I think our generation university mates. wise fizzled out. Like look at Newcastle now, dead all the yeah. time. When we were younger, I'd go, I'd go when I was in the army I'd come back and I'd go out Newcastle Monday, Tuesday, Flat Wednesday, out. Thursday, Friday. Do you know what I mean? Flat so out. Every night week, then Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Like it'd be like Sunday and like Thursday, like on the uni nights with all the like the uni people. Mm -hmm. And then the weekend with like my mates Our and the loners and yeah. flat. And that's just if you when drove I was to Newcastle going out, now, it's flat dead. out. Every bar, every club packed. Queues everywhere, yeah. like multiple nights on on one night. Like Just you had like options. That. There was like three or four promo nights on. Some the like House of Smith and Coos had somewhere mm -hmm. on. Purdue had somewhere on. Yeah. Tub Tub had something on. Digi had something on. There was like, you know, now you couldn't put two club nights on on the same night. Just mm -hmm. I don't know what would yeah. happen. Not that I really go out, but I just I, I keep it. I keep an eye on the the business side yeah, yeah. of Newcastle nightlife. What I think people prefer now is have a great kind of foot in the door with a great career, learning, eating well, meditating, yeah. learning, finding out about different cultures and then living like a more wholesome life like that. And then maybe, yeah. yes, of course, going out now and again, doing things. But I honestly think that's more appealing for young people now. Like it's than, than well, as stuff. well, there are, people are exposed now to m more things online. You know, back in the day when there was no social media and stuff, you didn't feel like you were under too much pressure to perform and to be, you know, have a career and be making money and be driving that rental and doing all those things. Like you could bum it for a couple of years, you could mm. bum it until your mid twenties yeah. because there was a big safety net. The economy was good. Now, like people feel like they're a failure if they're eighteen and they don't have a Lambo from yeah, I was like guy, currency right? trading or something. This guy, right? He was in my office the other day working with a colleague of mine, right? And um, young kid, I think he's nineteen. And he's asking me questions. I'm like, how the hell are you talking to me like that? You like, you sound like you're like forty odd. And then he's then he's cold calling um, landlords and asking if he can rent out their house to put it on Airbnb. And I'm like, what? Nineteen, sounding like a forty year old, asking them cold calling, like going on like um, whatever the all are, Zoopla, whatever all the things yeah. might move and he's cold calling them saying hi I'm just interested in taking your property do you mind if I take it and put it Airbnb da, 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 and just flat out cold calling them getting them and he's like get in got one and then he's then organising it to do his kids 19 it's not even his job he's doing it on the side mate people are making a lot of money just using their phone and their initiative yeah. there's a lot of people set up teaching people how to do stuff like that mm -hmm. and I honestly think that you know people can sign up Some, I'll use this as an example I haven't personally used it but People are saying that like Andrew Tate's Hustlers University, people are logging on to there and making money from it. Whether they're making money from it or not, you know, some people definitely will be. If yeah. I gave a thousand people advice on a way to go and start a business and start killing it, you know, 30 of those people might actually go out there and start making serious money. You know, that's still only 3%, but it's 
a, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, in the, if I just showed you 30 accounts of people doing extremely well, you'd think, holy shit, this guy's hit the jackpot. Mm. You don't know that there's 970 accounts of it not working. But you know, there are people out there making money online. Mm. You've got things like Hustlers University, like all of these like Grant Cardone's training stuff. Yeah. You know, relatively cheap subscription models, $50 a month, $30 yeah. a month, $100 a month. Yeah. You know, these are relatively inexpensive things. And people are going on there and saying, yeah, I make 10 grand a month now. Yeah. I make 20 grand a month now. I'm drop shipping and I'm making X amount. Again, whether you can believe it or whether they're just doing a course. But there are people yeah, out there, there making a, a lot yeah, of money. There's a lot. I know fitness and professionals who are making upwards of 10 to 20,000 pound per month yeah. training people online, sat at their computer most of the time when they're not going to the gym, taking pictures on a nighttime, traveling the world, taking videos, their YouTube channel's popping, they're selling online plans, 100 pound a month to 100 people. You know, what's a PT course? Three grand max. Yeah. Compare that to a undergrad going into a masters, which might take them four or five years of their life and cost them in excess of 70K. If you go, if you're doing that in America, forget 70K in upwards yeah. of $300,000 to, to do what? To then have the security of going into a 35 grand a year job or a 30 grand a year job. You know, if you have to spend 70K to make 30 grand a year, potentially, then that's probably not really that good of an investment because yeah. it's not 30K like residual income, it's 30K, but you've got to work 45 hours a week for it. If you can work those 45 hours a week and do a 3,000 pound course and learn how to market and learn all of these intricacies of business for a thousand pound off a 500 pound mm. and you're making 10 grand a month of not even just skills, transferable skills. Yeah. If you can, you've seen the RAF adverts or whatever they are, so you can fix a skateboard, then you can fix a yeah. bike, and if you can fix a bike, then somehow you can fix an aeroplane or your parents' weddings or your parents' marriage or something. If you can sell PT, you can sell anything. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That, that's what a great thing is about the PT students that are delivered, just teaching them how to sell and talk to people, that's literally it. But back to the topic of the um, people leaving jobs and whatever, and union stuff, mm -hmm. putting that together. So everything we spoke about, putting that together, imagine having a job where let's talk about the content creator kind of mm -hmm. apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. How long is that? 12 months there? 12 months, yeah. So imagine not knowing anything, or you're already in a job, or in fact, you're not in a job, whatever situation you're in. Yeah. Imagine going to work for a business like yours, or like mine, like I would like a content creator, I'd take one on now come in, working for me, and doing that whilst learning this skill, right, whilst getting paid by me, to have this skill to, if you wanted to leave me, you could and you can use it, or you can use it on the side to maybe yeah, sell stuff on Facebook, money. sell your services out as an agency, whatever, whilst you're working, and make all this money from not even paying a penny, because guess what, me as the employer, I pay 5%, mm -hmm. and the government pays 95%, you yeah. don't have to pay it back, it's just you've been bought that, to then leave and do what you want with it, or stay with me and have a career, whilst doing stuff on the side with them skills you've learned, why wouldn't you do that? If you can positively impact your, your, the business that you work for, you've always got a job. Yeah. If you can add more money than you cost the business, you will never be out of work because you're net positive. And if you can do that and you're not in a sales role, you're actually in a compliance role or a human resources role or anything like that, then you're so much more valuable to your business. If you can be like neutral 
and make as much money for the business as you cost, but you're doing something that the business needs, like something that it would just have to pay for, then you're just so valuable to your business. Like there's, there's so many ways of doing well in a business, yeah. but they all come from working hard. One other thing, obviously I know how we met, but do you remember? Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm about to say. Yeah. Do you want to say it? You, to say you say it. So me and Alex met, right, this is a big thing that nobody's willing to do in this day and age, I'm telling you, and this is how I got all of my stuff off the ground. People say, how the hell do you know so many people? Chris, everyone I speak to knows you and speak highly of you. Everybody yeah. knows you. How? Every time I go meet this person, how do you know so many people? It's because when I started off and had nothing, zero, right? I was never given things. I came from a great family. Everything's me. Everything I done was because I would um, do things for free. Yes. So remember that guy um, asked us to do a photo shoot. Yeah. Sorry, lads, I can't pay you. I haven't got the budget, but here's some free tops. Yeah. I thought the exposure that I could promote it, get myself out there, meet new people mm -hmm. was better than anything. I obviously paid to drive there. Yeah. Eight of the day, didn't have any clients that day, so I, it cost me money to do. But from that, I met you, we've done some great things, and yeah. then you introduced me to some people, I introduced to some people, I got in with that guy, other people, and the next thing people were asking me to do this thing for that company, that thing for this company, this, that, and it spiraled, and people were like seeing the work everywhere, da -da -da -da, and that mm -hmm. literally. The return on investment for getting getting off my ass and doing that for free yeah. was massive. Now, I guarantee, if I rang somebody now and said, come and do this for me free, no. Yeah. No. You put yourself in the positions to be successful by being the person that people can count upon, and when they have an opportunity come across their desk, you're the first person they think of. Inbound opportunities are so much better than reaching out to people and trying to outsource opportunities the opportunities that you have coming inbound to you you have the opportunity to you know n negotiate make it work better for you you know they're coming to you with a, with an opportunity as opposed to you knocking on their door asking yeah. them if they want to do something and that comes from being the person like being reliable mm -hmm. and when people ask you to do something you know as long as it fits you're the guy who will get it done mm -hmm. You know, you'll sometimes do things that don't necessarily make that much financial sense to you because yeah. you know that proving your competency. And you know, people will, you know, you shouldn't do things purely because you want to get something back in return. That's not what I'm saying. But if you are mindful of the fact that, you know, you might do 10 things for free, mm -hmm. eight of them, you've just done something for free. Nothing's yeah. coming back from it, but that's yeah. fine. You shouldn't get angry about that. Mm -hmm. Two of those things, might bring in 80% of your revenue next year. Like yeah. it literally could even be more than that. Someone yeah. could call you and go, Chris, I've got something mint for you here, mate. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to jump on this? It's X, Y, and Z. And you go, yeah, I know that person, that person, that person, that person, pull it all together. And you know, you can make yes, serious money. Literally, yeah. With a big deal, you know, same. And there is a principle, that 80-20 rule, it's a thing. Yeah. So yeah. 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 I think um, a lot of people can have got more spare time than they think. You know, have a look at what you're doing in your spare time. You're never actually too busy to do things for free, for exposure, to get in there. Obviously, don't let people take the piss out of you. Yeah. Like, if people are just you asking you... Because that, that's happened to us as well. Yeah. But, that being said, I don't think that... I don't think that it's been a... It's been a, you know, 
a positive yeah, overall. overall yeah. yeah, you just you just do have to keep an eye out of it. <laughs> to get her, yeah. then you end up like yeah, I do get it. Yeah, I, yeah, but I think you know for the if you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of, say yes more and and get out there. You don't have to do it forever because before you know it, you've made enough connections. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. So yeah, mate. I'm sure we'll do this again. Mm -hmm. um, but it was good to good to get you on, and I think you know I think there's things there that we could dive a little bit deeper into, definitely. Yeah. And we'll do that and and um, further down the road. But yeah, it's a good insight. Yeah. Perfect. Cheers, mate. Yeah.